Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Elections Weekly, our first Elections Weekly episode following an election. Um, hey. yeah, really, yeah, really excited about this. Uh, we have the Texas primaries on Tuesday. Um, it's been a pretty big, a pretty interesting experience. There were some surprises. Um, there were some not surprises. Um, we'll kind of go right into the details pretty quickly here. Today's pretty much just going to be all Texas primaries. If you if you watch our live stream, if you uh, if you followed along as we were kind of discussing what was going on, you probably got a good idea what we're talking about. But there have been some developments since then. I'll I'll keep you guys kind of informed on where we saw things change, what differences there were, um, turnout differences in the area, all sorts of really interesting stuff um, that we're pretty excited to show you. So I'll go ahead and throw it to uh, to Joe and Dylan here. Um, can I start with Joe? Before we go into the into the more granular picture of these races, what kind of struck out for you tonight? Uh, what 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 did you find interesting about the results, and what kind of what race surprised you? I, I would say. Uh, you know, I think when we're talking about the results, you know, we see a, a very strong, uh, as you expect, in a, what's shaping up to be a red year in the state of Texas. I believe the difference in numbers was some of the highest it's been uh, in, in years now. I believe it's about it's about uh, just about uh, 880,000 votes difference right now, I believe, between a Republican governor primary and the um, uh, Democratic uh, gubernatorial primary. Now, obviously, there's some. You might argue there's some caveats there. Republicans, while it wasn't a competitive primary, they had some high-profile, uh, angry men running against Greg Abbott. Uh, that you know could have theoretically driven turnout a little bit higher compared to better or work, who is basically uh, the nominee induced. But you know, this is something that ba that that 880,000 number basically held the line throughout uh, all, all all the primaries. In fact. Over 900,000 uh, voted in the GOP primary uh, go, uh, primary for attorney general compared to the attorney generals for Democrats. Uh, you know, a similar numbers to the governor's race and the LG race when it comes to difference in numbers. So, you know, that's something that should stick out right away there is that that is a big for a primary. That's a big, you know, you know, uh, 880 to 90,000, 900,000 uh, votes. You know, mm -hmm. that's a pretty, pretty big gap uh, between the parties. And, uh, Talking about surprises, there were a couple surprises, uh, but I think the one that was most surprising to me is uh, that we saw Morgan Luttrell, who uh, mm -hmm. in that eighth district GOP primary, he was the Crenshaw uh, Congressional Leadership Fund Fund Main Street Republican uh, backed uh, uh, candidate against Christian Collins, who was backed by Ted Cruz, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Tea Party uh, group organizations uh, in that very Republican new eighth district. Uh, most, pe uh, most people expected at the very least Luttrell to be in the lead, but likely to go to a runoff. Uh, but he has uh, gotten passed with around 52.5% of the total primary vote. Uh, so that was probably my biggest surprise of the night. Yeah, that's a good overview there, Dylan. What kind of struck, what kind of, uh, stuck out to you from those results? And uh, what races were you kind of following along with? I know you probably are going to mention the TX35 primary. Yeah. Um, well, that one me only in how much Greg Kassar won by. Um, I expected him to clear the runoff, but I think he ended out with 60%. 61%. Which I wasn't quite expecting. I expected mid-50s. Um, the one that surprised me was Texas's 30th, actually, um, with Jasmine Crockett not clearing the runoff, uh, only getting 49% of the vote. 
she had a lot of money backing her mm-hmm. uh, and the endorsement of the former uh, representative from that district. So I kind of assumed she was a lock. And she still is. She's going to win that race. Um, she'll pick up the extra 1% she needs almost without a doubt. But not clearing the runoff is a big surprise mm-hmm. to me. Um, also, the uh, Texas Attorney General race, I kind of thought Ken Paxton would do a bit worse than he ended up doing. Um, I, I don't know if maybe I just had low expectations for a guy who's been indicted, but he, he did better than I anticipated. Yeah, that's and that's definitely we'll talk about that race pretty shortly here, but really good, you know, really good start here kind of going over some of these important uh, races we're following. I'll go ahead and throw my uh, my two cents in here. I'm going to go ahead and show you uh, a couple of maps I created. One thing that really struck out to me was uh, first off was the primary turnout. Um, I'll go ahead and pull up Elections Daily right here. You can see everything going on here. Um, so the first thing was the performance in the primaries. So um, obviously primary votes are kind of are kind of um, interesting to look at. They're not necessarily determinative. But they are kind of interesting in terms of some regions that have been shifting rapidly. One of the one of those regions is the Rio Grande Valley. Most voters that are still identify as Democrats, but Republicans did very well. Flipped a county, flipped several counties in the region, and made substantial gains in counties um, like Star County, uh, Zapata County, Hidalgo, Cameron, Webb, um, and in all of these areas, Beto O'Rourke, who was running an uncontested race for uh, the governor Democratic primary underperformed. And he underperformed by very large margins in some of these counties, particularly Kennedy County, which is pretty small. More concerning with places like Maverick, um, Hidalgo County, and Webb County to a degree. He ran well behind his margin. Why could that be? It could be because Republican voters or people who voted for Republicans last time voted against him as a protest vote in the Democratic primary. Maybe they had local statewide figures they wanted to to look at, right? Um, you know, th- there's all sorts of reasons that someone would would have that um, would have that um, would have that example there. On the Republican side, uh, Greg Abbott actually overperformed um, his baseline in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, you'll notice right there uh, that he did very well in most of these counties. He ran ahead of his margin, which was about 66.6% of the vote. When I had done this calculation, most of the most of the excess votes that have come in since have come from Harris County. So consider the Harris County margin there with a grain of salt. But that's kind of what I thought was interesting is these uh, primary turnouts. The additional one uh, was the stat we mentioned Republican turnout in last night's primary exceeded the 2018 and 2020 primaries in every Texas border seat. In particular, um, it did so by very large margins in counties. I think we're talking 50, 100, 150, 300 percent increases in Republican turnout in these primaries. Is that a big deal? Um, kind of depends on what you're looking at. But, um, you know, uh, but it, it's certainly um, something to look at and something to consider in the future. Um, but that's that's kind of what I thought interesting. So let's go ahead and, and throw in there. Uh, go into the thing. The first one, which would be the attorney general race. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the map here. Uh, it's not really a very interesting map, but it is a map I will show you um, because I think it has some interesting things here. And kind of Joe will kind of talk about some of the dynamics we're looking at here and following in this race. Yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, as we most as most people expected, as we pre- as I predicted uh, in my preview article going to the night. Uh, uh, Ken Paxson, the incumbent attorney general, who has been kind of beleaguered by uh, e- uh, ethics and uh, legal issues in the past couple of years, uh, has been forced to a runoff. It is confirmed that it will be uh, 
current Texas Land Commissioner and kind of the the shining hope of the Bush dynasty, George P. Bush, the son of Jeb. Mm. Uh, uh, he has been forced into a he, – he is the candidate going into a runoff. Uh, Eva Guzman finished in third. And Louis Gomero, maybe slightly uh, stronger performance than expected. We kind of expected Gomero to hover around uh, 13 to 15%. He actually got around – 17 percent of the vote and i'm sure eric will highlight it right here that's probably because he kind of overperformed uh around yep. his congressional district area he did uh maybe even more so in east texas probably overperformed in some of those counties uh he gets second or third in a lot of those counties compared to bush or guzman mm -hmm. uh, that's where a lot of go mayor's votes come in he, yeah. i'm sure he got some votes in that more conservative panhandle area up there too i'm sure uh, you know, well, actually, no, it doesn't look like that case. But, you know, East Texas kind of along that border there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll say on a personal level, well. I'm, I'll say on a personal level, I'm disappointed that Gomer Wall kind of fell apart here. I was hoping these counties just to have a clean East Texas split here would do well. Um, but unfortunately, the Louis Gomer Wall broke uh, these three counties. I'll public or these four counties. I'll publicly shame them for breaking the line. A, Mor a Morris County, Cass County. Bowie County and Red River County. You disappointed me. Y'all have um, a job. Yeah, you really let me down here. Uh, I was I was hoping to have a meme, and you you ruined the meme for me. So for that, very disappointed at you. Shame, uh, shame. Yeah. But you know, kind of look at some of these counties here. Um, you know, we had been we had been expecting this to be a fairly close race between Bush and Guzman. It turned out to be pretty close. What put Bush over the over the the hump? It seems like is his performance in South Texas. Look at some of his performance in these counties in here. Hidalgo County. Uh, Star County, Jim Hogg County. These are small counties, but he did very well in these regions. He did far better than Guzman, in fact. These are small, small margins in the Republican primary, but in terms of places like El Paso, that's a lot of votes. He finished in second place. Uh, Bayard County, he finished mm -hmm. in second place behind Paxton. And then in places like Harris County, uh, he did pretty poorly, but around the traditional Bush territories of Dallas, Tarrant, Denton, Collin, he did very, very well. I'm probably going to map this at some point to go to second place, but uh, basically, both Bush and Guzman had support spread out through across the state, but Bush did so really well in a, in a bunch of areas, aside from Houston. Um, he didn't do very well around Houston, but overall respectable performance for 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 Bush. And concerning for Paxton being kept below that runoff threshold, not even close to the runoff threshold. In fact, um, you know we weren't expecting this to not go to a runoff, but this should be a little bit concerning now, considering we had three different candidates here. Uh, taking taking up votes. I would expect Guzman to endorse Bush. And Gomer has said publicly that he'll be staying out of the race. But this will be one of the more interesting primary runoffs that we're looking at uh, going ahead. Is this, is this Bush versus Breaking Paxton. news. Breaking news. Oh, yeah. Breaking news. Wisconsin Supreme Court has just adopted the Governor Evers maps, which are least change maps for legislative congressional boundaries. It's a 4-3 ruling with uh, Judge Brian Hadsdor writing the majority opinion. Ah, gotcha. And so that will be a six to two map, I'm assuming. That was the Evers map. Yeah, if you, I'll, um, I'll bring it up right now. Yeah, but let's go ahead and get off this this for just a second before we get back into Texas. This is breaking news here. Um, keep in mind, uh, Wisconsin, we mentioned before, is a really horrible state for Democrats ge uh, geographically. Um, you have to do some pretty creative things. If I creative, I mean butchering things with Milwaukee and and uh, Madison to create a map that is not six to two. I think the Evers map has a more competitive first district, but that first district is a is a is a money sink for Democrats. This is a race that they've not been able to be competitive in at a at a congressional level in quite a while. In that first yeah. district, yeah. Here here is that uh, map 
Uh, obviously, with 538's metrics, we can't really tell. Yeah, they uh, use a horrible, horrible metrics on their site. So uh, I would I would have to see a DRA uh, link on that. But, uh, you know, uh, as you can see here, it's, it's pretty much a relative least change to what we have uh, currently, obviously. Some would argue uh, it, it theoretically competitive uh, first district, but again, I still believe that was if a Trump, if not near a Trump high school digits, if not a Trump double digit seat. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Tim and Brian Steele won that by about 10 points more than Trump did. So he won it by about 20 yeah. points, which is yeah. very typical of Republicans in the area. Paul Ryan, when he was in, he was in the seat, did about the same. And then in 2018, when Democrats almost won the seat statewide, a style won by more than 10 points. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a black hole for Democrats, the first district. Yeah. So I think, I think the, obviously the big key is that third district, of course, though, uh, still very much a Republican district uh, without Ron Kine there uh, in that third district. It's going to be hard for Republicans to hold on, uh, for, excuse me, for Democrats to hold on to that seat. Uh, there's not much of a uh, big deal here. Apparently, Actually, apparently, I was wrong. Apparently, Wisconsin's first is only Trump plus two. Apparently, yeah, that's still that's still not a competitive threshold for Democrats. You need it. You probably need a, a seat that Biden won by four or five to make Style really at risk there. I mean, he won that seat by a ridiculous margin. Yeah, but uh, six. It, it is probably still likely a uh, six-two map. Uh, I would say going into twenty twenty-two. But there we go. There's that breaking news. Yeah. And so with that out of the way, uh, we'll kind of go right back into things. This is we expected the map to be six to two. This isn't actually a surprise in any real way. And this that we don't expect the second congressional district. I don't think we're going to be changing our rating in that seat uh, going forward here. Um, yeah. So back yeah. Yeah, let's open back up the map here, talk a little bit more about the attorney general race, and then we'll go on to some of the other interesting primaries that happened uh, on that night. I don't know. I, I think I would, if I were Paxton in this situation, I wouldn't feel awful. Um, Gomer was running a I'm Ken Paxton without the corruption campaign. So I think those voters are more easily persuadable to him and that's 17 percent. that's that's enough to get him over the edge yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see here uh, i think we mostly expect guzman's supporters to probably rally around uh bush but of course on here that only gives about uh 40 percent of the vote uh, if you count in the points there uh but if you kind of look at uh you know, it's going to be interesting. Gomer says he's going to stay out of the race. He says, vote your conscience. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens here. Uh, mm -hmm. I think going into May 24th, the Gomer votes will be really crucial, uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, this is also the type of race where we could, if, you know, something bad comes down for Paxton, uh, you know, that could be uh, could be a rough time. So yeah. we'll see what happens really here, I think, in the end. Yeah, Paxton just needs to not do anything super corrupt in the next couple of months. <laughs> Which <seems laughs> maybe a like challenge. Has been a challenge for yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're on the same page on this one. So 
Next up, the other interesting statewide race I believe we're going to look at is governor. We'll go over governor very quickly, only because there were some very insistent people who were insisting the governor primary would somehow be competitive. Um, and these people were, of course, wrong. Um, it turns out that Twitter is not real life and that Don Huffins is not the next governor of Texas. And it's not some God tier populist candidate that's going to, you know, defeat the GOP establishment and make populist superiority over Texas. In fact, populist had a pretty horrible night. As far as things are looking in Texas, it's still, they had a very, very establishment friendly slate of, of winners. Uh, we'll go over the Texas eight district fairly shortly, but as I wait for this website to load back up DDHQ, um, a little bit data intensive, data heavy, uh, it's kind of tends to run a little bit slow, some, slow sometimes. Uh, governor, real quick, the only reason I'm going to show the governor here um, is Abbott won the 66% of the vote. Huffings finished in third. Alan West had 12%. Uh, really, really bad performance for these third-party candidates. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Hold on a second. Rick Perry ran? No, Rob this is Rick a different Perry. Rick Perry. Oh. Yeah, this is, this okay. is a different Rick Perry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, if Rick Perry ran, he would have gotten more. He would have gotten like 10%. He wouldn't have gotten 3%. I was um, about to say, that's an embarrassing performance even for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, Abbott easily won his primary. This is within realm that was thought reasonable. Um, no real cause for concern there for, for Republicans. And then the other statewide race we'll go over real quick um, is the, just because I want to mention this because it's the spiciest race, is the Railroad Commissioner Republican primary. Um Wayne Christian has had some controversy as railroad commissioner. Uh, he's finished below the runoff threshold. Uh, he'll be running against Sarah Stogner, who is notorious uh, from her uh, viral TikTok ad where she posed nearly nude atop an oil rig. Um, this resulted in, in both ne a positive and negative press coverage. Uh, she since accused the media of slut shaming her for doing this. Um, take that as you will. That's probably the first time I've heard a Republican. Uh, yeah. that in the primary. That's, a, that's a very interesting tactic. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, Stogner will be the, uh, she did actually pretty well in oil country. If you look at Loving County, Reeves County, Presidio County, uh, she actually did pretty well in oil country. So maybe, you know, that maybe they really liked the, uh, the, the, the wrecking ball style campaign ad. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this will go to a runoff. We don't know who will win. Uh, Christian obviously got most of the vote, but you know, uh, Going to a runoff is never a good thing. Yeah. Let's go into our competitive primaries first. We'll start with the Democratic ones because those are the – there's only a few of them, and they're really interesting to some degree. So let's go ahead and start with the first interesting race, which is the 18th – or uh, yeah, the yeah 28th Congressional District. Uh, this one went, I think, a way people did not expect. This is a very close. It went to a runoff. It is going to a runoff between Henry Cuellar and Jessica Cisneros, or Jessica Cis, uh, Cisneros. Yes. Um, oh, sorry. You had um, it. No, yeah. So, it, yeah, it went, um, this is, uh, Quayler actually finished in first place here, which really surprised some people, I think, given his uh, previous issues. But he is very, very popular in this district among voters. And, uh, you know, this margin, um, it's not entirely comfortable, but it's enough to get him to the runoff. There's a third candidate this time. Uh, Tanya uh, Benavides. We don't know which side she really leans to, but we do know that those voters will matter in this runoff. Um, uh, this will be an expensive race. This will be a national race. Obviously, progressives would love to get rid of Henry Coilar, arguably the most conservative Democrat in the House, has voted for pro-life legislation, pro-gun legislation, opposed the PRO Act, and is generally liked by most Texas Republicans in the establishment side. I'll go ahead and throw to 
Dylan here because he is a little bit knowledgeable about this. What do you think of Cisneros's chances in this runoff? And how do you see this going if, if either she wins or if Quaylar wins? Because both of them actually have distinct vulnerabilities now that can be exploited in a general election from the Republican side. This is only about a Biden plus seven district. So it's quite competitive on the whole. Yeah, um, I think most of the arguments for Quaylar's electability have kind of been shattered by the uh, by the video of his house getting raided. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think the uh, the chances of this seat flipping don't really change in my mind based on the candidate. Um, I actually just looked up Tanya Benavides and based on the little bit of reading I've been able to do, um, she definitely leans more towards the Cisneros wing. Um, so her voters are probably going to be the more left wing, uh, Quaylar agnostic, anti-Quaylar votes, um, mm -hmm. or maybe just some anti-Cisneros strange votes, but I expect most of that to go to Cisneros. Um, I, I think she will win. I think she'll pull it out by a very small margin. Um, but I don't feel comfortable either way. I was surprised she didn't finish first. Um, the early indicators, the early votes in a lot of the um, in a lot of the counties seemed to indicate an overperformance on her part. Um, she overperformed her baselines in a lot of counties, but then the uh, the southern part of the district uh, came in really strong for Quaylar. So. Uh, everyone seemed to overperform their baselines. Um, mm. I do, I do expect Cisneros to win, but I, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting any large amount of money on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a reasonable assessment. I think, um, you know, we could talk a little bit more about this race. It it did certainly divide fairly evenly between the San Antonio adjacent portions, which voted for Cisneros, and the Rio Grande Valley adjacent portion, specifically around Laredo which voted more for Quaylar by large yeah. margins. If, if you um, could, I, uh, if you could um, uh, let me bring up the times. Uh, yeah, go right ahead. We can, we can uh, see that a little bit better here. If I can uh, yeah. go ahead Perfect. and share my screen here. Cause uh, we can, we can definitely see that divide a little bit better here as you can pretty easily see the line here of where it stops and where it starts. Uh, mm. You know, you know, Guada, the part of Guadalupe, which is part of the San Antonio Burbs, doing very well for just Cisneros, the Bay, the Bear County, uh, you know, San Antonio suburbs, part of the district, doing very well for Cisneros. Uh, Atacosta County was probably the bigger surprise, not doing as well, but it's also the closest uh, to San Antonio uh, in that regard. Uh, it's about 56 to 41 for Cisneros. And then, as you can see, obviously, very small totals in McMullen, but votes there. Duval, very heavy for Quaylar. Webb, very heavy for Quaylar. Uh, Zapata, very heavy for Quaylar. Jim Hogg, very heavy for Quaylar. And Star, very heavy for Quaylar. I actually think Duval, Webb is actually where Cisneros uh, was the only place where Quaylar didn't get over 60% of the vote. And uh, once you kind of got below that line there, that from uh, Atacasa on down, not kind of the only place, but. Uh, it's there. It's very fascinating, and we, we kind of clearly see that divide this time. Uh, I think very prevalently about the divide between in this new seat between the new uh, San Antonio suburbs parts 
of the seat and uh, kind of the old Rio Grande Valley parts of the seat for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think personally it questions the wisdom of the drawing of these seats. I know the fajita strips have been a thing for a while. Um, now that we're seeing this, I think there's not only clear differences in how primary voters are looking for what they're looking for. There's also general election um, differences in the two. So I, I would question the wisdom of obtaining these seats the next decade if these sorts of trends hold. Um, but yeah, that was one of the more interesting ones we're looking at. We'll go ahead and go to the 35th district primary now, uh, which, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Greg Kazar won handily, decisively, um, his primary. Um, he's a progressive candidate, will likely join the squad, uh, increase the number of members of the squad, a very progressive member of the Austin City Council. Uh, he won 61% of the vote here in this very Austin-oriented seat, although it does, as I'll show here, have, have a portion in uh, Bayard County, although it's only about a third of the district's population. So it's really more heavily adjacent to that Travis County portion. Um, uh, obviously, the interesting thing in this race, aside from the fact that you had a you had a San Antonio candidate running in Re- and Rebecca Viagran, I believe, was the one from from yeah. uh, San Antonio, where she she pulled about thirty percent of the vote, which is is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, again, I question the wisdom of drawing seats like this, but this is the map that has been given. On the other hand, you look at this state uh, countywide. Eddie Rodriguez got a lot of attention for running a very unusual, unorthodox, and frankly baffling decision, which was to run in a Travis County oriented district with large parts of Austin to the right in a primary. Um, and it was really odd for him because he threw away a reputation as a fairly uh, strong progressive in the area, mm-hmm. a very left-wing tenure in the city council. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's kind of uh, kind of odd. I We really don't know why he would make this decision. I don't think this decision will be followed in the future. Our future people running in Austin. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it it's kind of baffling why he would do this. Uh, hopefully whoever, I mean, if you're a Democrat, you're probably not going to want these consultants who are running that campaign to be hired, um, given how just incompetent it seems to have been. Uh, but this, this district is the new Hispanic Opportunity District, uh, stretching, I believe it's barely majority Hispanic CVAP, uh, contain most Hispanic parts of Austin, stretching down from, from Austin all the way down to San Antonio, core downtown San Antonio. Yeah, I, I would like to point out also that Rodriguez ran this really right-wing campaign and barely managed to come in second. Yeah. yeah. Barely. barely. That's that's embarrassing. Yeah, it's again, you know, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, It was a bad performance by him and a really good performance from Kesar. Um, You'll notice here that Rodriguez only got 16 percent of the vote in Travis County. That is abysmal. Um, That is really, really bad. He did better in some of the surrounding counties. Like he did. He did well in Kamal County. He did okay in Hayes County. Well, He came in third in Kamal County. Yeah, but he got more votes in Kamal County. Uh, it, it was kind of a weird, like he got, um, yeah, oh, well, yeah, yikes. Well, he got 20% of the vote. There were, and that's only a few votes, so that's the Republican County of the bunch. Um, where there's like a, literally a couple strings of precincts. Um, yeah, just an embarrassing performance all around. Yeah. Kassar, Kassar really dumb fact that he got from some more left-wing and right-wing elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in, in seats like these, frankly, in a city as progressive as, as Austin, this is like running a campaign in Portland um, and running it to the right. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it, it's uh, Travis County and Austin in particular among most liberal places in America at this point. 
like ideologically liberal progressive aligned. Um, so, you know, if this is the sacrificial area to demonstrate that's not a viable campaign strategy, I don't know what isn't uh, or what would be, because that's a pretty clear example of that. Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to some of the Republican ones now, because the Republicans also had interesting primaries. Um, in the first district, I believe, we were we were not paying attention to this one closely. This is an interesting one because this seat is open. This is the Louis Gohmert seat. Um, and normally in in deep red primaries like this or deep, deep red, deep blue seat, there's some sort of scramble to to, you know, to run, to win the seat, to, to be more competitive in the district and to try and, you know, when at least force a runoff to try and you know, make it. Uh, but on the Republican side, Nathaniel Moran won. Uh, his primary 63% of the vote for this open seat. Uh, he's basically set for life in this district. Um, I don't, you know, this is unusual that there wasn't a competitive primary here, but it happens sometimes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, uh, you know, this is a rare, very rare occasion that we get in these safe red districts for people like me and Eric, in which we, we go less to the right from the candidate that was retiring from the longtime yeah. candidate. Uh, obviously, Louis Gomer has a history uh, since he was first elected to the House in the early 2000s. Uh, he's kind of had a history of being on the further end mm-hmm. of uh, the Republican caucus. Uh, but, you know, uh, Moran is just a very, very normal Republican politician. If you look at his state, uh, state, uh, his website with some with his issues, it's like very, very normal, like normie Republican stuff. There's even like uh, mm-hmm. protecting liberty. Um, you know, pay part on their issue space, which you don't necessarily always see from uh, some of the new age far right uh, candidates. You know, that's not something you normally see. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it was very, I, we, we heard about this from the start that Moran was probably going to run away with it. Uh, he did, did in a pretty easy way. But yeah, it's, it's a nice change of pace from these type of districts. We see some type of bloodbath priming between uh, a more typical, Republican and a Freedom Caucus style Republican trying to strangle each other to death. Yeah, so it was very and, nice to see that this time. Yeah, the, it's it, it's a welcome. You know, it's a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. I, I would I would say it's probably the best way to put that. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go next to the eighth or sorry the third district. We'll go in order here because the third was a shocker, a genuine shocker. Um, not because of the actual result of the primary, but what happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, and what and what has become one of the most bizarre. Campaign scandals in recent memory. Um, it, it might even top historically sexy Cal Cunningham. Yeah, I mean it, it's no, right it, does, it does. It does. Uh, it does top historically. Yeah. Well, while we get that loading, I'm gonna just let Joe talk about it because it, it's frankly uh, it, this went from like zero to a hundred for Van Taylor in terms of the panic scale um, in the in the space of about an hour, uh, I would say. Yeah. So uh, you know Van Taylor. You know, he was first elected in 20, 2018 to replace Sam Johnson in the third district. One of those districts that had quickly trended blue, you know, surrounding Plano and Collin County. Uh, but, you know, he, you know, redistricted to be about a Trump plus 14 and a half district. And, uh, you know, that brings in some challenges. He was hit from his right. But, you know, issues changed in about the last week when uh, Taylor, this, this scandal came out that Taylor from uh, you know, a source that has been right sometimes and wrong other times, a national file, in which uh, Taylor had apparently had an affair with a reformed jihadist uh, ISIS bride. <laughs> the story goes that they actually met at one of those uh, re- re- you know reform uh, groups for for uh, 
for former uh, extremists. They met there, and the apparently the affair started. It lasted for about a year. Uh, there, there is an interesting text out there that that <laughs> not, that we will that we refuse uh, to put up here because it will de- demonetize us if we show it. <laughs> but, Mostly uh, to save your own eyes. But also to save your own <laughs> eyes. But, uh, it is it is a text that certainly beats the 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 uh, infamous Cal text. That's for sure. Uh, you know they're very interesting. Again, we we do not recommend looking them up. You you will regret it. But uh, you know Van Taylor uh, realizing that he was going to have to kind of get dragged through the mud. Uh, even though he had gotten 48.5% of the primary vote here, he was forced into a runoff with Keith Self. That wasn't necessarily the most surprising thing because we had heard that was uh, potentially happening. Uh, it was going to be Self who was going to do it as the former Collin County judge. But uh, as you kind of go down to it here, uh, the next day, which was yesterday, uh, Taylor just kind of came and said, you know what, I'm not going to put my family through this. I did have this affair, and uh, you're all going to kind of have to – to to deal with it now because I'm going to drop out and I'm going to support Keith Self for this seat and he's the Republican nominee now. So yeah. that so was more, that was yeah. a fun that was a fun couple of hours there yesterday. Yeah, where Van Taylor was kind of just you know like uh, I'm not going to deal with this. So let's uh, I'm not going to drag my family through this. So uh, I'm dropping out, and yeah. that's what he did. And. Again, I, I don't think it was necessarily the affair. The affair obviously hurts. It's the affair with a former jihadist that's probably concerning, especially in the Republican primary, but probably in general, yeah. I would say that's a unadvisable to, to do. Um, I mean, no, okay, in all, <laughs> in all fairness, this should not have been the thing that brought him down. <laughs> okay, he's a freak. So what? <laughs> So what? <laughs> and I know I know you're consistent on this on this scandal issue, uh, and you've been consistent on it, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat that's been been hit with one of these. Uh, yeah, so these what? <laughs> and, and it's not like she's a current jihadist. <laughs> Just a former that jihadist. Would, that would be inadvisable. <laughs> that would be inadvisable. It's but, certainly uh, probably and you know we're starting off the 2022 cycle with a, with a heck of a scandal. Yeah, no, it's certainly um, a way to start it off. And the speed is what confu- is what really got me here. It's it's not like he he you know the moment it's literally the moment that it came out that he you know that the, it became clear that he would not make the runoff that he or you have to go to a runoff as he said he's just admitted to the affair and drops out and that's what really surprised me here is how rapidly this escalated. Like if he, he wouldn't have dropped out if he if you know he had won the primary if he avoided a runoff he would have he would have he would have ridden the wave like you know Scott Desjardins before him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously now, um, not really what you want to have in a you know be answering for in a runoff to Republican primary voters who uh, who are already upset with you for not being conservative enough. Um, it's really it's really you know just not not a great situation overall. You know, um, <laughs> so what? I don't know anything about Keith C. Is he insane or he might be? We don't he's, know. He's, he's on. I would say he's on the, in terms of the nutso spectrum, he is on the crazy end, but he's on the less crazy side of the Freedom Caucus wing. So he's basically advocating for like stop the steal, and all sorts of stuff. But he's not talking about Jewish okay, space so he's lasers. Only my 
Yeah, but he's not so talking he's to Jewish space lasers. Nuts. He's not speaking at a conference with white nationalists. So we have a that really seems low like, bar. That is an incredibly low bar to clear. Let's, <laughs> let's get that straight. That's an incredibly low bar to clear. That yes. should not be applauded. This man is still a lunatic. Got yes. but, but in terms of in terms of the spectrum of, of you know of, of the crazy matrix, I, I you got to come up with some sort of graph for this. He hey, is certainly out of the mainstream, but within the but within the norms you would expect of out of the mainstream people as of like five years ago. He's pushing hey. conspiracy theories, but not actively hanging out with anti semites. Um, okay, give give him time. He's going to be around Green and uh, Cawthorn and Gosar now. Give him time. He'll get to the Jewish space lasers. <laughs> anyway, oh, you know, go, going uh, to the Hitler, going he, to the Hitler Museum um, <laughs> is the nominee now. He he might be primaried himself. We don't know how that's going to go. He he will probably face some sort of challenge next year. Yeah, we don't really and, and, know. Yeah, and and for Wait. what it's worth, you know, Self did really well in Collin County. You might be wondering, no, Collin County is a suburban county. Why would he be doing really well in Collin County? Well, one, he's he's a judge from Collin County. And to the Collin County Republican Party, apparently has a reputation of being fairly conservative in a bunch of ways that would be unappetizing to normal voters. So not entirely a huge surprise on that one. Hooray for the death of the suburban Republican. Now, on the other side of things, we Hooray. have another race between a between a generally tw a general lunatic of sorts and a normal conservative. And in this one, in the 8th District, this new House District stretching from, from a Houston to Montgomery County and parts beyond it, uh, we surprisingly saw Morgan Luttrell endorsed by Dan Crenshaw. Um, this was this is a proxy war. I mentioned it was a proxy war between Crenshaw and Cruz. In some ways, that's the case. In a lot of ways, it's also a proxy war with the Freedom Caucus, probably more so than that. Uh, Sibley, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, Madison Cawthorns of the world really went in heavily for Christian Collins, who ran an aggressively conservative campaign. Um, and by conservative, I mean really pro-Trump, uh, extremely pro-Trump, stop the steal, um, you know, all sorts of stuff, and also uh, got in controversy for saying that Adam Kinzinger was a traitor. Uh, this really irritated a lot of veterans groups and a lot of veterans. And he uh, said it while speaking to a veterans group. Yeah, he was. It was a It was a debate sponsored by a veterans group. Yeah, you don't do that. You know what? Yeah. Credit to him for not pandering. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's like Josh Mandel speaking to the uh, to the black uh, community group and just being a complete you know. Bonkers, like you know. Yeah, but again, we didn't. Ex we expected this to go to a runoff. Instead, Christian Collins didn't even get twenty three percent of the vote, which is honestly really embarrassing. Yeah, this he raised a lot of money too. Didn't he? he had like he had a lot of money in the bank. I think. Yeah, this, this was just as embarrassing. And again, if you you know historically, I think there was there was an idea like the lines the lawn sign standard, where like people would think that because there's a lot of lawn a lawn signs for a candidate, that means they're going to win. And then I, I a lot of times the, it's not the case. This is like that except opposite. for Twitter. I have the opposite standard. If I see a lot of lawn signs, I immediately think they're going to lose. Sure. But this is the Twitter standard <laughs> as well. Is where there's a lot of Twitter activity for Christian Collins. And he didn't even come close to winning the primary. So this is only partially a joke, but I can't wait for the Dan Crenshaw Ted Cruz Senate primary in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's not let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but it's not like we haven't heard the rumblings on that potentially. So oh, we have we? I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought we had. I don't know. Anyways, rumblings. Move on. Yeah. So that's the interesting. That's the other Republican primary. Were there any other primaries to note on the Republican side? Um, uh, I mean, there was the the Rio Grande Valley ones, but those are pretty typical. 
I, I mean, like we, could, we could check Wesley Hunt. You know, he 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 outright won his in the new uh, area in the 38th there. Not the 74th area. Yeah, this is the, the new district. Area. Yeah, this is the new district that was made just for Wesley Hunt. Yep. Um, That's not a considering it was made for him. Losing yeah, he, Mark Ramsey is uh, I believe he he's a, a fit. He's he's part of the area. He's he was sometime. I looked him up. He was some sort of official in the area. Uh, uh, long time resident. When I saw that it had been called immediately, I kind of assumed he had gotten Kesar uh, like margins. No, no, but still, uh, Wesley Trump's going to be the congressman in that district because I think it's like Trump plus sixteen or something like that. It's a very, very conservative district. Uh, let me see if yeah. I can find the exact number. Yeah, it's. Anyways, but yeah. Otherwise, Republican primaries uh, weren't particularly very exciting on the night. You know, a lot of folks who had gotten potentially, a, you know, Crenshaw easily dispatched his guy. Tony Gonzalez pretty easily dispatched his guy. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises really on the night, really, other than you could argue the Van Taylor stuff, which even that kind of at the end wasn't as much of a surprise if it was like come out of nowhere for us. Um, on um, the Tony Gonzalez one, is that the Tony Gonzalez that voted for impeachment or the other Tony Gonzalez? I think there are two who voted for uh, one who voted for impeachment, one who didn't. Oh, there's Tony. There's Anthony Gonzalez in um, in okay. Ohio. Got yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez uh, from Texas, the one on the 23rd on that the new 23rd on that board seat won pretty easily too. But he had had some complaints too. But it doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, in the U.S. House, Republicans didn't have uh, that many super interesting stuff happen on the night. So, yeah, that's that's kind of that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, you know, that's kind of the big, the major races of the night. So I'll go ahead and, and you know, go back to the panel here. Um, you know, with these runoffs going forward, we've got a, we've got a few we're going to follow and we're going to be paying attention to. But what race? What what what's our next state we're paying attention to? A primaries? I think it's not not for a couple months. Um, would that no. be Ohio or it'll be yeah Indiana and uh, tediously Ohio because we don't know the situation with their maps. So that that primary date could very well be moved back. But at the very least, we know for sure that Indiana uh, we will be. It would be a very short stream if we just Indiana. That'd probably be only about maybe not even hour long stream. Does uh, Indiana even have any competitive races? There, uh, Indiana's first. Uh, we're going to be interested in watching the Republican primary there. That's only about a Biden plus se uh, seven seat. As well as, don't forget that uh, Trey Hollingsworth is yeah, entirely open for, and that'll be an interesting Republican primary to watch there as well. Mm -hmm. So, well, there there are races to watch. Uh, that you know, with Indiana, of course, them being a a state which does a lot of their statewide uh, during. Uh, the presidential year, of course, all their big statewide, like attorney general and governor, happen mm -hmm. during uh, during that time. And of course, I is, is this year Todd Young re-election year? Is twenty sixteen Todd Young uh, re-election? Yes. 20, this is twenty twenty. So this is Todd Young's re-election year, of course. Yeah, uh, and he's probably skate to re-election pretty easily. I, I would yeah. think, um, given all, given Indiana standards. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we heard anything about that race, but uh, at the very least, it would be theoretically a very short stream if it was just Indiana, but we would be there. Uh, but if also, if if Ohio is back, uh, obviously there would be quite a few races to look at in Ohio uh, if we got an Ohio primary uh, race 
uh, on the third. So that would be that would be a key. It would be a significant. It would be uh, similar to our Texas stream on Tuesday, where that would probably be a significantly longer stream mm-hmm. uh, than the one we would have. Uh, you know, if we're just Indiana for sure. Yeah. So. But yeah, keep posted if you, you know if you're watching from Twitter, be sure to retweet or you know retweet, like, follow, whatever you do on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening to us podcast platforms, give us a like and a follow. We really appreciate your support. Uh, we could not be this far without you guys. Um, it really, you know, we're really kind of blown away with how much uh, you guys like this content. So we're going to keep it going. Um, so we're going to close off this week's episode. Uh, what are you got? Or so where can we find you guys on social media um, for those who are just listening on audio form? You can find me at Joseph Samanti. That's J O S E P H S Z Y M A N S K I, all one word. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dylan W Brown One. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening. And you can find me on Twitter at D Cunningham Two. You can find all of our content at elections-daily.com, where we post all sorts of content, articles, tools, lots of different stuff for you guys, and uh, articles and stuff on elections underscore daily on Twitter. Thank you guys for watching. We really appreciate your support. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.